Good morning. Great to be with you this morning. Uh, I don't know how many of you can relate to this problem or actually this addiction that I have, but uh, I've had it for a very long time. Uh, matter of fact, it goes all the way back to my childhood. So actually, it's my parents that are to blame for some of this because I can remember just over and over them like searing this into my brain, uh, hearing it time and time again how important it was. And as I grew up, it became kind of almost a mantra for us or something that we did that was so important. And so here I am now 55 years old and it's stuck. And here it is. It, it's a problem that some of you may relate to, some of you may, but but it's it's an issue. So you probably need to pray for me about that. But here's the thing. No matter where I go or where I am going, I have to be on time. And when I say on time, I mean I have to be 15 minutes early. And if I'm not 15 minutes early, I'm stressing out. So maybe some of you can relate to this. And, and not only that, I feel incredibly disrespected when people show up late. I am really just not happy about it when they're late because I feel like, what's wrong with you? Why can't you be on time? And again, that was something my mom used to say all the time, you know, is like, we don't disrespect people by being late. So I'm always so nervous about being on time. But here's the problem. I serve Jesus and he never seems to be on time. Matter of fact, he always seems to be late to me, always showing up way past when I really want him to or expect him to. And maybe you can relate to that this morning where maybe you pray and you're like, why isn't he answering? Or I expected Jesus to do this or to do that and he's not. So if this morning that's you, I'm talking to you. Or maybe you're a person that isn't even wondering if God listens or he's even hearing your prayers because none of them seem to be being answered or at least not answered in the way that you want them to be. I'm talking to you this morning too. Maybe you're in a place right now where the waiting is excruciating because it's a health issue or a family issue or a wayward child, and I'm talking to you this morning as well. Because here's the truth that I want to convey in the scriptures this morning. Jesus perfectly late. So let's take a look. We're going to look at John chapter 11, and we're going to read verses 1 to 6 and then 17 to 26. Jesus perfectly late. Now, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sister sent word to him saying, Lord, behold, to whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard this, he said, the sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so the Son of God may be glorified in it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Jumping down to verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to him, but Mary stayed at the house. 
Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Why is Jesus perfectly late? For God's glory. See, Mary and Martha had sent word to, to Lazarus. And their expectation was that he was going to come. See, they, they told the, the messenger to tell him he's very sick. This isn't like I have a cold or a little bit of a flu. This is like if you don't come, this is bad news. And so their expectation was he's going to come. Of course he's going to come. He loves us. The text even said that's what they believed. He loved us dearly. So, of course, we have a need, and it's a big need. He's going to come. But he didn't. And I find it interesting in, in verse 5 and 6 where it says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard, he stayed two more days. Isn't that strange? The message puts it this way. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, but oddly, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed on two more days. I think for us so often when we hear that, we think, that's strange. He loved them. Why didn't he immediately go? He loved them. Why didn't he hurry and get all his stuff and his guys and his disciples and, and go? But he didn't. And I think sometimes our expectation of what God should do in our mind doesn't relate to how Jesus actually works. See, we're supposed to trust him to show up when he needs to show up for the perfect will of God in our life. But our expectations so often are, but you should do it when I want it. And most of that time, it's right now. I need you to do it now. Have you ever felt unloved by God because of his unresponsiveness? Have you ever felt like, boy, this is the, my desire is for this to occur, for my child to come back to the Lord, for this cancer to be healed? And yet, he doesn't seem to show up. One of my uh, wonderful heroes in this life is Johnny Erickson Tata. And if you don't know her story, when she was 17, she was on a platform in the Chesapeake Bay, and she dove in and she hit the bottom and immediately became a quadriplegic. From the neck down, she could not move. And she's been in a wheelchair for the last 55 years of her life. And if that's not enough, she's had two bouts of cancer and she has chronic pain issues. And if that was her whole story, that's incredibly sad. And yet, God has used her in amazing, incredible ways. She paints with a brush in her teeth. She's recorded many musical albums. She's raised millions of dollars for a wheelchair program that goes to third world countries for young children and adults, many who've had their limbs, uh, you know, fired off because of mines. She's on a radio show that goes to a thousand radio stations across the United States. She's written books. She spoke to millions. That's just a few things she's done. God's glory has been incredibly shown because of her life, even though she needs help to get in and out of bed, 
brush your teeth, eat, pretty much do everything. Now, some might say, it doesn't even feel like Jesus ever showed up. Not only was he late, he never arrived. And yet I would tell you that maybe in the physical body that's true, but look what he's done for her life and look what he's done and how many people she's ministered to. And I relate a little bit because I've had chronic pain, daily pain for 30 years. And so often I feel like Jesus either doesn't care or doesn't love me or has gone on vacation. Maybe you're the same. Maybe there are times where you feel like because his unresponsiveness, he's not there for you. But what I want to encourage you this morning is the truth is he is late to you and to me, but he's always right on time. Jesus is perfectly late because he wants to show off his glory. And when he does, your life and my life becomes so much more impactful to the world who is in desperate need of hope. So Jesus is perfectly late for his glory, but he's also perfectly late because it builds your faith and mine. I really don't like that truth, do you? I would rather sit on a beach, look at the ocean, have the waves crash, have a nice cold mountain dew in my hand, and have my faith built. Wouldn't that be great? But it doesn't work that way, does it? Now, it's, it's going through difficult times. It's, it's trusting when God isn't showing up. It's waiting in the anticipation of what he's going to do is that where really he builds our faith. And we see that with Mary and Martha. Now, no, don't miss this fact. Mary and Martha both had great faith. Because you remember when Jesus arrives? Both of them at separate times say to Jesus, I knew if you had come, you would have healed him. They had great faith in Jesus. And by the way, Jesus doesn't scold them for their faith. The beautiful thing is, isn't it great that Jesus loves us where our faith is, not where he's taking it to be? But he loved Mary and Martha and he loves you and me too much to let it stay where it's at. And that's why he doesn't arrive when you expect him to or when I expect him to. And so there's this beautiful truth going on that Jesus is working in the waiting. So think about this for a moment. I wonder if you were Mary or Martha and you had sent a messenger to tell Jesus to come and you kept looking at the horizon and he wasn't showing up and he wasn't showing up. And then finally, your brother dies. And even after he dies, he doesn't show up. Four days later is when he arrives. And Mary and Martha are distraught. They're discouraged. They maybe even have lost hope. And yet, in the waiting, Jesus was doing a great work in them because he wanted to take their faith to the next step. And the next step was waiting for Jesus to show up. And then, of course, the great and wonderful resurrection of their brother that took their faith to a whole new level. Real faith is lived out when Jesus doesn't arrive on time. That's not a fun thing to realize, is it? And not easy to understand. And yes, that is what's really true though. He's doing great work in us waiting for him, even though we expected him to show up on Monday and he doesn't show up until Friday. About six years ago, I had just left 
being a pastor of a church for 15 years and I was burnt out and had a really hard leave and was wounded and, and actually came to solid ground and got some healing. But I was lost, I wasn't sure what to do next and here was the problem. I had two kids in college, a senior in high school and no paycheck. And as we searched and we prayed, Lisa and I, we just weren't sure what to do. And an old friend came to mind. I hadn't seen him in about 20 years. And I reached out to him and, and we got coffee down in Newport Beach. And I remember sitting in that coffee shop and he asked me this question. He said, Todd, if money wasn't an issue, meaning if God took care of your finances, what would you like to do for the rest of your life? I kind of thought a little bit about it and I'd had this passion in my heart for a couple years I wasn't even know exactly how to describe it, but I said, I feel like I want to come alongside pastors. I want to coach. I want to care for them and their families because I know how hard it is to be a pastor. And he smiled. He said, have you ever heard of Standing Stone Ministry? And I said, no. He got on his cell phone and he called the president. And 30 minutes later, he was having lunch with the president of Standing Stone. And the more he talked about how they cared for and encouraged and prayed for pastors and their families, the more my heart went crazy until he got to the part where he said, and by the way, he left this till the end, you have to raise your own support. You have to go ask people for money so you can have a paycheck. And I was like, no, anything but that. And actually I had told the Lord in my 20s, I'm 49 now, that I'll do anything for you, Lord, except raise my own support. And I remember driving home that day telling the Lord in the car, I don't think I like your sense of humor. You waited till I was 49 with kids in college to now have me go raise my support. And I got home and I started telling Lisa all about Standing Stone and she just lit up. She's like, that's you, Todd. That's exactly your heart. And then I kind of got to the fundraising part and I said, well, we have to raise our own support. And her first response was, no, anything but that. And so we kind of sat there and we said, well, let's do this. Let's just pray for the next three days separately and see what God does. And God confirmed it in both our hearts. So I went to the training. I joined Standing Stone and I began to raise support. Fearful, feeling inadequate, not sure what I'm doing. Here's what I want to tell you. God has provided everything we've needed in the last six years. And by the way, never on my time scale. Never missed a bill, never had to go into savings. God provided. And I can tell you by living that way on support the last six years, my faith has grown. Lisa's faith has grown. In the waiting, in some people saying no and that how hard that was. But then other people that we didn't, matter of fact, didn't even think they liked us, supported us. So God grew our faith in that. And he wants to use you and me to wait on him even though he seems late because we serve a God that shows up right on time. I love the phrase, someone told me this many years ago, we live in a hundred mile an hour world, but we serve a five mile an hour God. Isn't that true? seems like everything's so fast and yet God seems to go so slow and yet that's what builds our faith. See, Jesus is perfectly late for God's glory comes out in our lives as we wait. It also builds our faith. And then finally, 
It's to remind us of who he is. Mary and Martha, Todd and all of you, we want Jesus on our terms. I often think we think Jesus is like a vending machine. I'll have one of those, and I'll have one of those, and I'll have one of those, and I want them now, Lord. And then when they don't show up, oh, you must not love me. Jesus is always on his terms. Why? Because it's always perfect for us, even though it may not feel like it. Mary and Martha needed to get to know who Jesus was even more than they already did. And the only way for that to happen was for them to ask and not receive at the time they wanted. They obviously had no idea that Jesus was going to come and resurrect their brother. But in the waiting, it must be excruciating. You can imagine watching your, your, your brother that you love suffer and then die, and the one that you think could come and save him doesn't show up. But that's exactly what happened. Jesus works in a way that he loves us so much that he has to wait to come at the perfect time. Otherwise, we wouldn't get to know who he really is. Sounds opposite, doesn't it? If he loves me, why doesn't he just give? Well, any of you that are parents, have you ever just given your child what they want? I mean, I can remember our kids at small, you know, they wanted chocolate candy for breakfast. And, you know, we didn't do it. Does that mean we didn't love them? Of course not. Remember the scripture says that God's ways are not our ways. They're way above our ways. We don't understand them. So often that's the case here. And what we need to do in our, in our faith is to go, do I either trust you, Lord, for my life? Do I absolutely believe you have the best for me? Even when it doesn't seem that way, even when it doesn't feel that way. But I trust you because that's how I get to know who you really are. His lateness allows us to experience him at a deeper level. I want you to think just for a moment back to the text. When Mary and Martha were waiting, when they were hurting, when they were struggling, when they were maybe losing hope, God was at work. When he showed up and they were distraught still and they told, oh, Jesus, you're late. Why didn't you come? God was still at work. And then God was really at work when they resurrected Lazarus. Can you imagine what that must have been like for them? And all of a sudden, some things fell into place. But before that happened, I want to just go back one second because this is really important for us. When Jesus arrived, Martha says, I wish you were here because you would have healed him. And Jesus says, don't worry, he's going to resurrect again. She thinks he's talking about the resurrection at the end of days when all believers will resurrect. But Jesus was talking about, hey, in a few moments, I'm going to resurrect him. She says, of course he's going to. She believed that. Again, she had great faith. I believe that's going to happen. And then Jesus says these words. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live. What was Jesus telling them and telling us this morning? Jesus is the person of the resurrection. It's not just some event that he did 2,000 years ago. And it's not some event in the future where we're all gonna resurrect with new bodies, amen. But Jesus is saying, I don't want you to keep looking to the future for things. I don't want you to keep going, well, if this happens, then I'll be good. Or if that happens, if I get that promotion, if I, if I get that inheritance, if I, no, no, Jesus is saying, right here and now, I want you to trust me in your circumstances. 
And maybe your circumstances aren't that great. You know, when I'm having really bad pain days, I don't necessarily feel like praising God and going, wow, this is great. And yet, God does incredible work in that, in the waiting, in trusting Him with it. That's what God's calling you and I to. And so, it's not about let's look to the future. Oh, when we get to heaven, it's going to be great, which it will be. Jesus is saying, I want you to trust me, the person, because I am life for you. No matter what's going on, you can trust me. I'm trustworthy. One of the things that the great late Dallas Willard said about our spiritual growth that gets in the way is hurry. We can probably all relate to that, right? Everything seems to be a hurry. Everything seems to be quick, right? You can get anything you want now. You know, if you want food, you go to fast food. If you want something heated up, you get it in the microwave. If you want social media at your fingertips, you have it on your phone. And yet I think sometimes we miss the fact that we've just become really impatient people. And God wants us to be patient because in the waiting is when God does some great work. In the waiting is where God speaks to us. In the waiting is where we get to know him and he builds our faith. And that's really powerful even though it's really hard. Many years ago when I was pastoring, we used to have food drives at our church and we would do a pantry on Friday for about 100 people and then every two months on a Saturday, we would have about 500 people show on our property and we'd do a hot breakfast and a box of food and clothes and I remember this one Saturday, this woman came in tears. I had never seen her before and she came up to me. Someone introduced her to me and she said, I was just told I have stage four cancer and there's nothing they can do about it. And she was, you can imagine, just distraught. And it just happened that the only time in the history of our food drives, we had doctors on site to give out free flu shots. And she spoke English, but that was her second language. And we had some Spanish doctors. So I took her in and they talked to her and they set her up with some free services. She didn't have insurance. And right before she left, I just asked her, I said, would you feel okay if we laid hands on you and just prayed for God to heal? Just trusting that maybe God would heal you. And she said, oh, I'd love that. And so we did. I prayed over her and she left. Two months later, our next food drive. She walks in the door. She said, guess what? On Friday, I went to the doctor and they did a scan and the cancer's gone. And she said, the doctors have no idea what happened. And I said to her, what do you think happened? And it's clear as day, she said, Jesus healed me and I'm going to follow him the rest of my life. I'll never forget that. In the midst of distraught, in the midst of you know, terrible situations, God showed up. Now it was later than she wanted. She would have liked it before the diagnosis. And obviously there are times where that doesn't happen. People die of cancer, people die, and sometimes God doesn't show up. But I want you to know that in that process, God changed her. Even in the waiting, God changed her. And she got to know who Jesus really was. He really was the resurrection, and he really was the life, and that was so powerful. We see Jesus for who he really is in the waiting. And I know it's hard because I'm not a very patient person. I've been a Christian now for 40 years, and I still struggle with patience. Maybe you do too. And yet, God does great work while we wait for him and anticipate him coming. Jesus perfectly laid for his glory in your life that influences others. To build your faith, to take it to a new level, 
so that you can even walk closer. And to get to know him for who he really is, he is the resurrection and he is the life. It's a person. That's why we call it a personal relationship with Jesus. It's not about something or something in the future. It's about now. Isn't that a beautiful thing? And as we wait, let's anticipate his glory. Let's anticipate our faith growing. And let's anticipate getting to know him more. Here's my challenge for you this week. What do you think God wants to do? Say to you? Give you a different perspective? Or change your thought process in the waiting? What's something right now in your life that you're waiting in and anticipating Jesus to show up and he hasn't yet? What is God saying to you this week about waiting for him to show up? What does he want to change in you? Let's pray. Father in heaven, it is so hard to wait for you, and yet it always seems like you're perfectly late. And when you do, when you show up, there's clarity, there's peace, and there's great celebration, as there was for Mary and Martha and the crowd as Lazarus came forth. But I know it's challenging and I know it's hard for us, Lord, so I pray you give us strength, give us energy, give us focus to say, in the waiting, Lord, I'm going to trust you. In the waiting, I'm going to listen to your voice because I know you want to do something in and through me while I anticipate you showing up even if it seems like you're late. I pray blessings upon each person listening to this in the mighty and glorifying name of Jesus. Amen. Have a great week.